30 years of my life, I spent building a career that I don't know what exists on the other side. And then it was, it was something in me that was like, okay, flip the question. The question I had been asking was, what is it next? What is theater next? How will I launch into a theater? I don't know exists. I don't know what it looks like, you know, instead of asking that question, how can I be a part of creating what's next? Welcome to the Life Coach Baker podcast, the place to be to gain a rock solid mindset, create powerful habits and leap into the life of your dreams. I'm your host, life and mindset coach, entrepreneur and goal smashing extraordinaire, Nicole Baker. I am here to bring you actionable and applicable tools that you can use in your own life to launch yourself forward, to gain that clarity, and to ignite your motivational fire in order to achieve anything your heart desires. If you have a dream that feels crazy ambitious, if you are an aspiring achiever, or if you know that you are ready to leap into a life that you absolutely love, then you are in the right place. I'm so happy to have you here, and let's dive in. Welcome, 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 welcome. I am beaming (laughs) from ear to ear for you all to hear today's episode. I had the incredible honor of interviewing Andrew Koopman, who is this uh, amazing human. I mean, we we met for this quick, quick little chat just to kind of talk, like see how rapport is and all that kind of stuff to see if he'd be interested in being on the podcast. And we, it was one of those moments of, oh my gosh, I feel like I've known you 15 million years. And he is so amazing. And before I build this up so much, I want to touch on something we actually talked about last week's episode. And that is with the board break. Now, I was able to post the videos on Instagram, and it was so sweet. You guys' notes were so incredibly kind. Thank you so much. Um, and I and don't get me wrong, I'm so grateful for those notes, and I so appreciate it. And I also want to make sure it's really clear on as to why I posted that story and why I shared with it. Because while, yes, it was a really powerful moment in my life, it was not about me. It's about what this means for you all in your life during the time of winter. And let me let me let me pause real quick, just in case you're new to the podcast this episode. I'll give you the quick little Reader's Digest version of the board break. So two weeks ago, I had the incredible opportunity um, to participate in the Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within seminar. It was the first time ever doing it virtual, and I'm so fortunate that I've been able to do it numerous times. Obviously, this was the first time doing it virtually, but normally on the first night, like a huge big exercise in showing yourself of what you can actually do and that you're limitless, you normally, with 15,000 other people, go and walk on fire. But obviously, since we weren't surrounded by 15,000 people and doing a fire walk in your backyard seems dangerous, (laughs) the team decided instead to do a board-breaking exercise. And I was really excited. This was something I've never done before, and I was so jazzed to do it. And my dad was in charge of going out and getting the boards for us. And (laughs) I looked on the screen and I was seeing the breakdown of like what you should have gotten. And it was like uh, 0.5 inch thickness of boards with specific uh, qualities and stuff like that. And I looked over at my dad and I looked at the boards that he got and I said, those are bigger. Those are way thicker. And he was like, yeah, they're about double the thickness of theirs. And I was like, I'm sorry, 
what? Like, I immediately, my mind went, well, that's what they're doing. How can we do double? That's too scary. That's too much. I don't know if I can do double the challenge of what other people are doing. I'm five foot three. I'm small. Ah, limiting belief, limiting belief, limiting belief. And I looked over at my mom and she didn't exactly confirm it, but she was definitely like, uh, this might be a little bit of a issue. And of course, in my head, I'm like, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I go down, I break the board, my arm pops out of its socket, I dislocate my elbow. Like, I mean, just like my mind went to these terrible places, which is ridiculous. But right before going in and doing the full board break, because you have to like get in state, you have to practice, you have to like get yourself in such a state of certainty that no matter what, it's going to break through. And while we were getting into that state, I was like, I'm someone, and I know I want you guys to listen to this because I'm speaking directly to you. We are someone, we collectively, listeners of this podcast, myself included, we are people who always go above and beyond. We don't do what normal people do. Thank God we don't do what normal people do. If we did, we'd be living normal lives like everyone else. And I think we can all collectively say that normal people are not exactly living life to the fullest and feeling the most happy and jazzed and fulfilled on life every single day. And so I said, we're special. This is different. I can do this. I will do this. And I broke through. A board that was double the thickness of the other 28,000 people who were on this call. And the reason I share this with you guys, and the reason I'm re-sharing this with you guys actually, is to make sure you get in your brain that this was not just a toss-toss on my shoulder, look at me breaking some boards like a karate kid. This is me saying to you that in a time of winter, in a time of struggle, in a time of pain, and in a time of getting down to our simplest, rooted survival nature, we can do the above and beyond. We cannot settle for what other people are doing. We can go that extra mile. We can do double the challenge if we set our mind to it. Right now, a lot of people are in the settling mode. The, I'm just going to wait to see what happens when this is all over. And I'm so glad you're here today. If you are one of those people who maybe have had that thought, maybe you're not living it every single day, but maybe you've had that thought at one point during the coronavirus, during 2020 as a whole. I'm so glad you're here today because Andrew directly addresses this. So I'm not going to touch too much on this, but I want you guys to clearly understand That you can do something so incredibly challenging. Something that you thought would be double as hard as quote unquote what normal people do. Whether you're someone who listens to this podcast consistently or maybe this is your first time because you love Andrew and you're here to support him. No matter who you are, if you are here, you are someone who goes above and beyond. You're someone who is not settling for the bare minimum survival of life. 
Anyway, thank you for absorbing. Thank you for letting me gush. Before we dive into this amazing interview with Andrew Koopman, let's do a review of the episode. Today's review... Today's episode review is coming from Delaney Fisher. It is entitled, Yes! She says, Nicole is so uplifting to listen to, and there are great takeaways in every episode. Highly recommend. Thank you, Delaney. I so, so, so appreciate it. You guys, if you have not taken the time to write a little love note, either in the iTunes review, on a YouTube comment, also, P.S., we're looking to get the Google podcast, so if you're looking to do it on there, it's coming super soon. Another option you guys have now is to send me an audio or a video review of the episode, and it will be played on the show. I'm so excited. So if you haven't done that, please, please, please take a moment to just write a little love note in the comments or rate the podcast five stars or maybe a little bit of both if you love it. But it really, really, really does help. Thank you so much for those of you who have already done it. I so, so, so appreciate it. Now, finally, let's dive into the meat of today's episode. If you haven't heard, I'm interviewing Andrew Koopman. (laughs) I honestly say in my deepest of heart and soul, this was one of those interviews that it felt like two creative souls came together and became one. I mean, that sounds so cheesy, but to be honest, they talk about like creative soulmates and I'm just like, whoa, you are someone who I can feel like I've talked to for 15,000 years instantly after five words and it was just so powerful but the reason the really big reason why I wanted to have him on the podcast and honestly so soon we literally met like a week and a half ago I wanted to have him on the podcast so soon because I've received message after message after message especially from creatives during this time and more specifically in the last month saying I'm so scared I don't know what life what theater what creativity what performance what art is going to look like after this in a month, in a year, in two years. And that my entire life has been devoted to this art, to this craft. I'm so scared. And my heart has been carved out of my chest every single time I hear that. And I'm doing all this research and and seeing, and I've been asking God, universe, creativity. um, I've been saying, like, give me a sign. This this needs to be talked about. Give me a sign. And Andrew Koopman came into my life. And I can say with 100% certainty that he was the answer to that prayer. Now, I'm not going to even introduce this human because to be honest, they do such a great job of introducing themselves on the podcast that I don't think I can do it justice. So without further ado, I bring to you the incredible Andrew Koopman. Welcome, Andrew. I, I, I was just sharing with you off air, but I want to reiterate for listeners to build expectations clearly that um, I've been looking forward to this all freaking day because I adore <laughs> your energy. I adore your light. But so I can shut up and you start talking. Who are you and what do you do? No, uh, I mean, obviously it's it, Nicole. Uh, I, I don't think I've had something so bright and so wonderful to look forward to uh, for you know during this this weird this weird time that we all live in you know this this weird upside down crazy Alice in Wonderland nightmare <laughs> world that feels like it's on fire and maybe a little bit great but not really because we want everything to change and be fixed yeah <laughs> that in spite of all that uh you have been a bright spot I've been looking forward to so thank you for this wonderful gift in time um, oh. 
You can't so, uh, cry I... two minutes into the episode, Andrew. That's not fair. <laughs> oh, Hashtag God. mission accomplished. <laughs> um, so I, uh, so who am I? That's a great question. It's a question I've asked myself for most of my life. Um, today, I am Andrew Koopman. Uh, I am an artist and a, a storyteller, mm-hmm. um, a, a, a humanity connector. Um, I'm a multicultural artist who's curious about finding where we can uh, common ground conversation, uh, where we can amplify and illuminate. Uh, I'm a director by trade, a choreographer also, mm-hmm. uh, teaching artist by passion, um, a lifelong learner. Currently in Seattle, I'm headed into my third year at the University of Washington uh, MFA in directing program. And uh, yeah, that's who I am. I'm just here today. So beautiful. Um, I just, I love <laughs> how before, because a lot of the times you'll ask someone like, who are you and what do you do? And they're like, well, I'm a life coach. And it's like, I love that you start with connection first. And I love that you, I, I, I was just at a seminar this past weekend and we talked about the six human needs and how one of the human needs is connection. And I just, I, I feel like you embody that. I've only talked to you for maybe 30 minutes before this interview, this, before this conversation. But I, I just, I feel like every time I speak to you, it's just like, you're so there and you're so present and you're so heartfelt. So I just, I thank you for being such a, grounded human Thank being you. and like you said a world that is alice in wonderland style so. <laughs> a, little bit, a, little, a really weird version of it i almost want to go back to the disney version because that was almost less creepy and weird but i don't know so this is a weird <laughs> almost it really it really you know i would take the oh god who was it the tim Burton, johnny depp the johnny depp version of uh of alice in wonderland over the 2020 version of alice in wonderland that's for yeah sure. It's like uh, I just actually I so I recently downloaded TikTok. I know I'm a millennial who did it. I was totally one of those people that was like, I'm just I'm just gonna download it for like for like a minute just and to see what's happening. And how much time have you spent on there now? So much time. Oh That's why I haven't downloaded it yet. For any listeners, it's... I have yet to download because I'm so. I, it's exactly that. I'm so nervous that I'm gonna download it and it's like, oh shit, there goes six hours. Like right. Yeah, and that's truth. And I just saw one the other day that was like, showed a picture of like a dark, scary hallway. And it was like, repeat 2020 or go down this dark, scary hallway. And this girl just like grooved all the way down the hallway, whipped off her weave. And I was like, yes, bitch, work. (laughs) And it was the best. Oh, God. It was amazing. Just because I was like, yep, that's, 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 that's where we're at. Yep. Oh, I I love that. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Oh my goodness. Well, I, I wanted to trail back to something we were talking yeah. literally just before we went on air. You were saying that you used to live in Chicago, which for listeners yeah. who don't know, that's currently where I reside. It's not currently where I am, but um, where, where in Chicago? How did you end up there? You said it was a story. Now you, yeah. You um, so I've, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so actually I've moved um, 30 times in my life. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 30 years old. I've moved 30 times. So on average about one year, uh, one move a year. And uh, for a lot of various reasons. So I started out in California, lived in five or six different cities there, born in uh, Woodland Hills, LA. Um, then we moved to Missouri and lived in a few places in Missouri. Then we moved to Tennessee and lived a few places in Tennessee. Uh, then I moved to Chicago with my family. Um, and we lived in Chicago, 
Rosemont, Mount Prospect, Arlington Heights, Wheaton, and Elgin. Um, and then moved out to Spokane for undergrad, went on the road for Missoula Children's Theater for about three years, um, moved to New York to get uh, to go to NYU, and then moved to Seattle and lived in all over Seattle. So I've moved 30 times. And uh, no, it wasn't because of a military family. Uh, that was my first was, question. <laughs> that usually is. <laughs> uh, it's actually in airlines. Uh, my, my family is in the airline business. Any airlines we know or... Uh, they, they used to work for, uh, back, ooh, back in the day, TWA. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember that one. It, yeah, that was, uh, that was my mother and father's airline when they first met. And then my dad started to work for United mm. and my mom, uh, then worked for American when they got bought out, um, when TWA got bought out by American and then 9-11 happened and that really impacted our family okay. in a way that I don't think a lot of, like, it, it's just it, like, 9-11 impacted all of us, yeah. right? It impacted the world. We all suddenly felt the world was much smaller and much scarier and um, much bigger too, all of those things at once. And, um, you know, my heart went out to all the families of loved ones and friends of loved ones that um, that were lost that day. Mm -hmm. And then there's the whole other side of that, that impact of like the economic crisis. And my parents worked for the airlines, that, the two airlines that were up, unfortunately used that day yeah. you know um and so my mom ended up losing her job um she returned many years later but yeah. it was a that was a weird time <laughs> for sure I'm just I'm so thankful your parents weren't on those flights yes. that's oh I can't even imagine being a kid and I I can't even go down that road that's so oh my gosh Wow. Yeah. My mom was a flight attendant. So yeah. Is your dad uh, a pilot or is he a No, he was pilot? a, what's called a purser. He, okay. uh, he, he's on the ground. He manages, he, and he was actually, uh, he was recovering from surgery that day. Um, um, oh my God. I just got chills. Oh yeah. So he was, uh, he had just gotten uh, surgery on his hip, I believe. Mm. So. Wow. It's, it's so wild. I, I, I was, I was, Again, I was at a seminar this past weekend and 9-11 was brought up and they were saying like, our, we were talking about how our emotions are created by emotion. Our emotions are what drive our quality of mm -hmm. life. And it's like when we are in such a high state of emotion, a peak state, whether it's a negative peak state or a positive peak state, but when you're in such a high state of emotion like 9-11, you know everything that's going around you you know your version of everything that's going around you but then he asked he was like where were you on 8 11 no yeah. so like, Fuck, i don't know like you know and yeah. it's like it's, it's crazy so i can still remember i can still remember the bedspread i was sitting on when my mom uh got the got the phone call from our friends that something had happened oh. and uh and my grandmother was in our home to help us while my dad was in surgery and then I remember the drive to school and running into my classroom and just being like, something's going on. And it was that, yeah, that was a really weird time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, our, how, how acutely aware we are of that moment and how, yeah. You asked me what I had for breakfast four days ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's so true. And I feel like I, the thing that's really pushing me through 2020 is that same, like how, how, did we rise from the ashes in 2008 in 9 11? Mm -hmm. Like, and 2020 is going to be no different. I know that in my heart and my soul that like, we are going to look back on this in five years and be like, remember 2020, I got through that. I can get through anything. 
Because especially... the people who will survive are are resilient. They are interested yes. in being a solution to the problems that exist in our culture. And those are the ones who will help, you know, uh, 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 dismantle systemic racism, mm. um, create opportunities to to amplify voices, to illuminate narratives, to uh, 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 quality of life changes for humans who need it, mm. to, to remember that we are not individuals, but there are communities in that by saying, you know, Black Lives Matter, we're actually, we're, we're bringing the community together. Yeah. You know, we're trying to lift and be allies and support and change. And, yeah. and that in spite of 2020 being the Whatever awesome it is, <laughs> that change is possible because we are resilient and passionate about making sure it happens. Absolutely. I, I literally, I couldn't even agree more with you. Like, I think that this is a time in our lives where I was listening to something earlier today and they were saying, I think one of the big, big reasons that black lives matter is really just like an echo, a like ripple through the entire world is that for the first time in, I, I, that I can remember really, we don't have distractions. Normally we're getting up, we're going to work, we have the busyness of the day, we're going here, we're going there, we're going here, but now everything's slowed down and almost, not almost, we've stopped. And we listened and we absorbed and we learned and we finally were just like, what the hell is going on in this world? And we're now stepping up to meet that. And it's like, when it was phrased yeah. that way, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Not but then that- also, not only just listening and absorbing, but then taking action against it, right? Yes. We are seeing more marches because mm-hmm. our voices aren't enough. Action is required. And we can't tell each other how to protest. We can't tell each other how to feel, how to emote, how to process, how to take action. Mm-hmm. But we're slowing down enough to be like, whoa, stop the wagon. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop this train. And we got to we got to change tracks, and yeah. it's and we need to. It's vital. We've been trying to t- change tracks for hundreds of years, and mm-hmm. yet we're still here. We're still having the same conversations. I was reading, um, I was reading from a book of writings by Bayard Rustin, who was uh, a, a a major part of the civil rights movement and the LGBTQ rights movement. Uh, and how I was reading some of his readings, and some of the things he was saying were things that we're saying still today. And it's like, we keep taking action and we still, we still got so far to go, but we can't Mm -hmm. just listen. We can't just talk about it. Let's do something. That's that's kind of like been my, my phrase of action that even though we're paused, let's do the work. Yep. Yes, I couldn't. Yes, absolutely. And like, I, we haven't even gotten into the topics I wanted to discuss, but I think that this is so important. What are some things? We can start out with politics. Always. This is a very liberal podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What are like, what are some things that you are doing right now? And again, I want to preface by saying, because a lot of listeners hear questions and they'll start to think it's how our brains work, our own answers. There is no perfect answer here. But what are some things that you are doing right now to like step up and take action? Because people are yeah. constantly looking for more material. Yeah. Um, you know, I am doing what I can to support the marches, unfortunately, mm-hmm. just because of um, my in-home health uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not able to join a lot of the marches just because of health reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But what I do is I've been making errands. I've been trying to bring people supplies. I've been trying to connect people to resources. Um, I've donated. I've made my phone calls. I've 
Beautiful. done my emails. I've been using whatever voice and platform I have to uh, amplify resources, to amplify voices um, of, of the Black community and of the BIPOC community. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, all those solutions are necessary, right? This isn't just a simple math problem. Oh, God, you know, no. we can't solve this with two plus two equals protests and defund the police. <laughs> Yeah, right. 100%. Uh, this is this is two plus X equals solution. And what yeah. is the X you are creating and manifesting? Oh, that was good. Oh, that was a good point. Because I, I, I saw something that was like, we're all going the same direction. I mean, everyone who's really standing on, on, on the mm -hmm. positive side of history here. Who are we're trying all, to go in the same direction. We're all going in the same direction. Exactly. Thank you. We're all like <laughs> heading that way. We're all going north or going whatever. And we're all in different lanes. Mm -hmm. No one's in the same lane. If all of us were clo clogging, if all of us were building traffic in the protesting lane, then where would the other lanes go? We're all in these different lanes. And it's like, I think that people have been beating themselves up so much for not being able to protest because of health reasons, because they're staying with older family members or because mm -hmm. they're, like just X, Y, or Z. And like, I, I think it's so important to realize that like, you should not feel guilt because you're taking action in another way. Like, well, I think so and important. those, those people need those other resources, those other contributors. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I could, you know, if I was living around alone, I would absolutely be in the streets protesting. For sure. Um, yeah. But within my, my bio, you know, home sphere, yeah. uh, I have to make choices that I feel are in line with my core values, mm -hmm. in line with how I want to see the world change and evolve, mm -hmm. but also supporting those who are doing work that we all need. You know, mm -hmm. we need the people who are marching. We need the people who are donating. We need yeah. the people who are running to get bottles of water. Yes. Um, oh my God. We need the people who are uh, making the phone calls, sending the emails. We need people who are calling out racism and homophobia and hate within their own families, you mm -hmm. know, and not not sloughing those responsibilities onto the BIPOC community who have had to deal with it for so long. Yes. You know, we have to all step up. And it's not about making a show of it, right? It's not like, look at no. me, look at what I'm doing. It is It is that what is the X you are contributing to solve to this pro solve this problem? Yes. Oh, my God adore every single thing you're saying because I, I I think for a long time I've been trying to put these into certain words and you're just like spouting out from the heart all those words and I just I oh, thank God you. I've, I always <laughs> worry I'm like a total nonsense speaker of like whoa whoa Andrew you're a theater person you're talking math what's happening who are you what's happening okay we're going on another side tangent <laughs> because <laughs> I was just talking to someone yesterday and shout out to Bailey if she's listening to this podcast hey, but Bailey. No, we were talking <laughs> and she was like she was, she was saying how she's so multi-passionate. She loves so many different things. And I was, and for a while, especially artists, oh my God. And I know you, you can feel this too. Especially mm -hmm. artists are put and creatives in general. They're said that like, you have to fall under a certain niche, a certain type, a certain brand, or else you're not successful or you won't mm -hmm. be successful. And I shared- Which is so boring. It's so boring. I, I shared this for her, but I'll share it with you and listeners too. When I was in college, they were like, oh, you're blonde. You have a high pitched voice. You're five foot three. You're an ingenue. And I was like, I cuss like a sailor. 
I am funny as all hell. I'm going to point that out. <laughs> like, yes, you are. And I don't sing soprano super high. Like, I'm, that's not my vocal type. Like, I'm not the mm-hmm. cookie cutter ingenue. I'm so, I'm quirky. I'm different. I'm, and yet I never got cast in anything because they were like, you're confusing. And I said, well, first of all, F you. And, yeah. Um, so, and, sorry for existing is exactly who and, I am. I apologize for being confusing to you. Boom! He dropped the mic. <laughs> I love that. But it's so true. And I was so angry and so confused and wanting to mold into something that I wasn't. But it's like, yes. we, as, as human beings right now, especially, there's so much content being created into the world. Go, go for it. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, this whole thing about shaping, you know, that those educators, those, those mentors that we really looked up to, they, they shape us. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, they, that's a lot of power. And unfortunately we are young and we are trying, we, we are trying to find ourselves and we are, we are searching for something to latch onto and our, we look to our mentors first. And if they say those things to you, you're an ingenue because of X, Y, Z, you know, you either have an identity crisis or you accept it. You know, yeah. I I grew up in a space where the box I was continually trying to be put into was really hard to live in. I was told, you know, um, you know, uh, so I, I am a proud queer man now. I'm a proud man. Married um, queer man. Yeah, a married queer man. <laughs> I married a doctor. Um, <laughs> but I'm a proud queer multicultural man who uses he, him, they, them pronouns. And if I look back at the, at the person I was in high school, uh, it, it, I wish I could go back and tell them, you know, don't listen to the people who are trying to shove you back in that box and shrink you. Um, you know, because I was, I grew up in a very Christian household. Um, I was sent to a, to therapy that my parents claimed they didn't realize. I don't know if I believe it. (laughs) Um, I was sent to a version of conversion therapy to try to cure who I was and then was going to a very private Christian high school um, where I was told by the director of my theater program, you might, in my senior year of high school, um, I was told, you know, throughout the time, I'm the comedic side relief. I'll never play the leading man. Um, I'm, which is, I was like, okay. And then I always got cast as the father because I'm a big guy. <laughs> but then in my senior year of high school, my, my drama teacher, who I really respected and really idolized to an extent, uh, told me that I should quit doing theater now because I would never make it. And it's and it. I remember that moment as being a moment of, I have a choice to make. Is this cookie cutter something I'm going to sit in and accept or break free of? And... I had to break free. You know, theater was the way I, I, I created. It's my art. Um, what I was able to reflect on many years later and many good, good sessions of therapy later was that she only saw her students as performers. And if you weren't going to Broadway, you weren't going to be successful. Um, but that's where figuring out who you are and what you bring to the table is so important. It never crossed her mind that in her in her program she was raising a a director, you know, who's going to win a Tony Award someday. Well, yeah, you. you are, brother. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it never crossed her mind. And I think about 
people who have mentors like you and like me who who it never crossed the mind to look outside of the box we they put us in because it's easier to confine us and ident and, and categorize us for whatever reason for their own comfort for their own ease for their own process but that i i look at where we are now and how breaking out of the box and how long it took me and i look at the generation that i'm teaching and how there's so much hope in that generation where they're they're starting to break out of boxes way sooner. They're like, there's a box around me, fuck you, no box. Yes. <laughs> that was a really long-winded way of saying like these 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 shapers that we look up to have so much effect on us. And I totally resonate with what you said about figuring out your brand, um, which I think was you were leading into a question about how do we do that in the arts right now. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I think that that's a perfect segue. Like right now. I, Sarah Falero was on the podcast, which I know you know her. She connected us. Hey, Sarah um, Falero. We love Sarah Falero. We love Sarah Falero. <laughs> she was saying how your type is what other people tell you you are, but your mm-hmm. brand is what you get to decide. I love that. I She said that, and I was like, can you pause and say it again for the people in the back getting chills, making T-shirts of that saying? Like It was so powerful, and I think that Right now we're in a show because I know something you and I talked about previously and I definitely want to talk about today is where is theater going from here? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be coming from all of us deciding our brand? I think a lot of us are so afraid and I'm going to speak straight into Broadway for a second because I know that Broadway's gotten a lot of unleashing the dark curtains recently and it's like, are we going to go straight back to where we were? Is Instagram followers the new talent? Like, is that like, what is, where, where are we going from here? And I know you have such a powerful voice in this industry. Where do you see theater going? Live theater specifically. Right. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, a lot of people have been talking to me during this time of like, how's it going, Andrew? You know, you're doing theater. And I'm like, yeah, it fucking sucks right now that we're in quarantine. Cause you know, Artists can still paint, photographers can still do photography, music writers can write music, even movie makers, you know, there was those great 30, you know, 30 shorts made at home released by Netflix or something. Mm-hmm. Um, like so much of art can still be done in the confines of home, except theater, which is inherently beautiful and, and powerful because of its liveness and capacity for empathy, mm-hmm. you know? There's something about literally sitting in a room with someone uh, and watching them tell their story or collaboratively telling a story with another artist live and in person and being able to to engage in that creative collaboration in liveness that is lost via Zoom. We're doing our best. Like yeah. shout out to all content makers that are doing theater online on Zoom. Um, I'm directing a show on Zoom this fall and you know, really diving into how do we tell that story is is the question I think we're all asking right now. But to answer your question about where are we going, you know, I hope we don't go back to normal. I hear a lot of people say, oh, when is this over? When can we go back to normal? I'm like, I sure as hell hope we don't go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? Why is that? Because there is, the, who would want to? <laughs> like, after all the work that we are doing, and like what uh, the the organization we see you white American theater, you know, their demands that they put out and the work that they are doing and the voices that they are demanding be amplified. And it's about damn time. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to go back because I don't think we need that. I think what I'm hoping uh, 
is that the theater, whatever next it is, and the theater has existed for all time, starting with, you know, um, uh, early humans uh, storytelling in, in their caves mm. to the Greeks who stopped everything in society to go watch a show together to to have that catharsis and that shared moment of time in history to Commedia, which was in the carts in the street making fun of the patriarchy and religious hierarchy, uh, even to, you know, the theater that we have, that we had before we shut down Hamilton and slave play and uh, the inheritance, mm -hmm. um, all taking narratives and flipping them on their head in a way and really mm -hmm. bringing a new voice to the front of the stage. So whatever is next, I hope we continue that tradition of finding what does the world need to hear? What are the voice? What are the stories that need to be told? How can we listen more to the voices that are unheard? How can we amplify and uplift those narratives more? Um, and I, I, I hope that's what's next. You know, the the way I've been approaching it is, and I had a I had a personal just like flip the switch moment when I was in uh, my last quarter at the University of Washington. I had entered into the program after interviewing and saying, I know I'm a good director. I want to be an excellent director. Mm. And at the end of my second year, I was when they had canceled all of spring, including my workshop show. And I lost my summer gig, which was going to be my first regional gig. I had a moment of like, <laughs> I'll be honest, I whined for a day. That's that's my for that's a my day. Process. That's it. That's amazing. I, I it was it may have been a day or two, but it was oh then it's definitely two days. I'm done. <laughs> I know. I'm definitely the kind of person though that like will mourn and then move on. Yeah. Um, and so I mourned, and then I had this realization of like my goal. I'd, I I had accomplished. I am now an excellent director. Mm. Now, how do I become an excellent artist? How do I find the work that I do? My process my creativity oh. and manifest it in a way to contribute to moving forward rather than looking for validation moment to moment to moment to moment because that's exhausting and fruitless there's no there's no validation that comes from that and so instead of it, it's been a lot of self-reflection this time you know Anne Bogart in the and if I I'm sorry if I'm just talking about no um, I'm getting chills and crying please keep going <laughs> like, this is no fantastic. the um Anne Bogart in the Director's Lab West mm -hmm. seminar that I went to March, I want to say, um, said something that just really like had a huge impact on me. And, and that she said, in this time, I think it's important we invest in the pause. Mm. And it's that, it's, that, it's that moment that where we stop. And it's not about taking whatever action is next or, or super going backwards to what it was. It's what is it now and what can we use in this pause in order to manifest and be a catalyst for whatever's next. So a lot of that for me has been like flipping the question. Mm. So, uh, you know, about a week ago, when you, the day before you and I talked mm -hmm. the first time when we first connected, I was, I was having a crisis day. You know, you, I'm not sure if you've heard the term Corona coaster. I've heard that's a thing now uh, that, that yeah. we all go on highs and lows. So I was definitely in a low of the Corona coaster. I was like, I was at, 
I was at that real low, like almost underground low of like, what? There's scary, dark noises all around me. I don't know what's going to happen. Anxiety, fear. Yeah. 30 years of my life, I spent building a career that I don't know what exists on the other side. Mm. And and I I had that moment. And then it was it was something in me that was like, okay, flip the question. Don't, it's in, in that moment, I realized I, would, I had been asking myself the wrong question. The question I had been asking was, what is it next? What is theater next? How will I launch into a theater? I, I don't know exists. I don't know what it looks like, you know. Yeah. Instead of asking that question, how can I be a part of creating what's next? How can I uh, know the art that I want to see in the world and be the 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 ally to stories that I want to be an ally to and amplify and illuminate. How could I be a contributor to what's next instead of waiting to see what's next? I'm speechless. I I mean, that is, we we talk so much on the podcast about the quality of our life is in direct reflection of the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. because questions lead to focus, which leads to energy. Where focus goes, energy flows. And yes. That's, that's a Tony Robbins quote. I unfortunately can't take credit for it. But yeah. the, the direction of focus from what's next to how, how am I creating? I, oh, my God. I love that <laughs> so much. I want, I, just, I want to like pause. I want to invest in this pause right here for listeners to get that. because. Mm-hmm. So many, especially creatives, because I know so many listen to the show, um, creatives have been asking me, they're like, I'm so afraid. I, I don't know what is going to happen, like you said, to this career that I've invested my life, my passion, my mastery in. I've invested so much time mm-hmm. and resources, and it's out of my control. Mm-hmm. And I want listeners to hear how you just phrased that because that put it back in your control. Mm-hmm. And maybe not control, but you put yourself back in charge of your destiny instead of yes. leaving it to others. And that is so mother flipping powerful. It's that question. And the thing is, the second I asked that question, there was a burden released. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a stone that rolled off my shoulder of like trying to figure out and being so worried. It, it, made the productions that I, that we all lost, you know, all the projects, all the plans, all the things that we had lost, it made them just a thing. It wasn't the period. It was the ellipses until the next thing. Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, and how, yeah, I lost a show. I lost, actually, I lost three shows. And instead of me sitting here being like, well, Mm-hmm. when are we going to get those back it's like those were just shows mm-hmm. they are not going to be definitive of my career and i i do have to give a huge shout out to valerie curtis newton my mentor um who really you know helped me process that when it first got canceled and it didn't land until three months later when i finally mm-hmm. was like oh <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm a damn good artist mm-hmm. and i have the full capacity and ability to manifest the work I want to see next. And I don't need anyone's permission. I don't need anyone to tell me it's okay. I don't need anyone to create the space for me to do it if I can create it. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the finances, right? We, we, we are not all in a place of privilege. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like, I, I will acknowledge that I'm in a place of privilege where I'm in education right now. Mm-hmm. And I know what the next year of my life looks like. And there's a lot of my artist friends who my heart hurts for where, uh, where they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm using whatever platform I have to bring them in. I'm working with a lot of community members on the, my school projects so that they still have work to do and can mm-hmm. still uh, uh, be cultivating that artistic expression and outlet. But um, really this idea of we don't need fancy theater spaces, right? We are creating content on Zoom and it's beautiful. You know, um, I am a theater um, I think that's how you say it. I am a theater. Just did a a play festival online, amplifying uh, black playwrights and black performers and black directors, and they put it up on YouTube. And it was all done via Zoom. And um, Val, my mentor, was one of the directors, as well as a dear friend, Ali uh, Allison Brown, who's a performer here in Seattle. Um, but it's not about needing the fancy theater spaces or the fancy lighting. I, I look back at some of my best work and some of my best work was on a scrappy budget of a shoestring and a prayer. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I put together, you know, I put together Mary Zimmerman's The Odyssey um, mm. with six chairs, 14 students who were aged 11 to 16. Oh and it was gosh. one of the best projects I've ever done because it wasn't about wow, we have all these fancy things on the stage that make it feel beautiful. It was like, nope, we have six chairs, six scarves, a piece of string and a prayer. But how we like, what are we going to do with it? What, how can we manifest? How can we story tell? And, and so we can all take this time to be, to be creating the content we want to see next instead of waiting for it to be handed to us. And I think that's where the change comes from is from being proactively engaged in the change rather than waiting for the answers to the change to be given to you. Oof. If you that makes sense. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> it makes so much sense. I just, I, I think the number one thing that artists can learn right now is that like literally what you just said, there's so many people who are waiting for external circumstances to validate them to validate their, validate their skills, to validate their time, to validate them with a uh, career. And don't get me wrong, God damn, I miss, I miss that for artists. And I, I know it's right? coming back. However, this is such an important time to learn how to find that validation within yourself mm-hmm. so that when that does happen and you get rejected, who effing cares? Mm-hmm. There's another one right down the line. Like people hear rejection, they hear no, and they're all of a sudden like, oh, I hear no, that means I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that just means one door closed. There's 15 other thousand ones that are waiting for you to open their door handle. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just, it, it, and, uh, yeah. And really using the, and whatever happens in this time, you know, right now I'm teaching a bunch of summer camps in theater on Zoom. And mm-hmm. girl, if you had told me <laughs> a year ago that I'd be teaching and getting my master's degree in directing online, oh teaching God. theater yeah. online, teaching <laughs> five to seven year olds opera online, I would have laughed in your face and probably gone and cried in a corner praying, oh God, I hope that's not true. And then probably eaten like a muffin or a piece of chocolate to be like, nope, not gonna happen. Uh, yet here we are. And you know, what can we use these opportunities to manifest? You know, I just got done teaching with um, Seattle Opera mm-hmm. um, where we are doing a, a youth 
um, a youth camp where I was working with a group of uh, uh, our middle group and they, they, we were writing a play together and it, we created this idea of eight operas in search of a stage. Um, and so we were going to give them each an opera to research and, uh, <laughs> and then they had to create a character based off this opera. Mm-hmm. Um, on Zoom, and then we wrote a scene. They used Zoom backgrounds, but I remember the first list came through of like the, the the operas they were going to use, and I was like, "Hey, just gonna put this out there because as one as as the artist I am, mm-hmm. as my, the intersectional self that I can bring to the table, um, I was like, hey, this list seems to be all old white men operas. Mm-hmm. Are there other ones we could take this opportunity?" to invest in mm-hmm. we're not i mean there's zero stakes <laughs> let's be very clear <laughs> this is this is a group of eight young early career performer opera singers who are going to be given an opera to research why not give them an opera to to that explores lgbtq mm-hmm. that it, um explores uh bipoc voices that explores women mm-hmm. as lyricist composers and so i posed this question out there and they're like Oh yeah, yeah, and we instantly changed some of the operas that they researched, wow. and and it was just like one of those things of like, no one was gonna, no one would think a youth, a youth camp taught on Zoom through an opera in the summer of twenty twenty mm-hmm. would be a way to bring about a social revolution, mm. and it was one small thing, but this one small thing was just a reminder to both all of us on staff and to our students that taking that extra step to ask that question created an opportunity to illuminate an opera I had never even heard of, but that celebrated a black lyricist and composer. And then another opera that was written by two women. And then another opera that was centered around narratives written by a queer man, you know? Um, So taking the time to ask the question and using whatever platform you have to manifest whatever's next beyond the Zoom world that we're now in, mm-hmm. like that is our calling right now. That's the way that you may not be able to protest, going back to what we talked about earlier, you may not be able to protest, but you can use whatever space of privilege, space of opportunity, space of creativity to manifest and catalyst whatever's next. Yeah. I, By just I, asking a question, you know, I, I, one of my favorite quotes that I, I try to, I remind myself of often is uh, I live in the question in order to live into the answer. Oh, say that again. That's beautiful. uh, And that's a distilled version of like the big formal quote. There's a formaler quote out there that's Mm -hmm. to this effect. But for me, it's a, I live in the question in order to live into the answer. That's because you, you posing that question and even changing that, learning something new and learning and exploring different areas, that has a ripple effect. And um, getting a little neuroscience-y about it, but like we, that the, we, we all have habits and defaulting to old white men operas, it's a habit. Like all of us, it's, it's part of our programming. I mean, why not? La Boheme is beautiful. Oh, totally. Oh my gosh. And we've and like, seen 150 productions of it. <laughs> Pirates of Penzance, like stuff like that. It's like those, those, those traditional ones. And I'm going to use this example because this is perfect, but I want listeners to know this because we talk about breaking our patterns so much is that 
what you did, you asked that question and you had an emotional response answer that broke your pattern. And now I guarantee you that when questions like this are going to come up again, that's going to be one of your first, if not second or third thoughts. Like, and it's like, if, if we can start doing that in other areas of our life, I know a lot of people on the online uh, business community are starting to ask like, who am I using in my promotions? Who am I using in my podcast, who am I using in my, um, using, who am I featuring? Let me say that instead. I don't know. That sounds a lot better language wise. Who am I featuring in my covers and my shoots and like all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it, it forced us all to stop and ask those questions and break our pattern. And that is yeah. so freaking important. If this episode is resonating with you, you might be a great fit for my one-on-one coaching program. I help people like you get rid of your limiting beliefs, get out of your comfort zone, and start achieving your dreams. If you'd like more information about my program, you can email me at hello at lifecoachbaker.com to book your free discovery call. Link to my email is in the description. Now, back to the episode. Oh my God. I I want to make sure we get to this question. I feel like I I need to ask you this now. I know the answer, but I need listeners to know the answer. Because you have such a special connection to Elsa from Frozen. And I need to warn people, when I heard that, because my friend Sarah, she was like, make sure to ask him about Elsa. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, like he maybe has like a kid or maybe he has like some kind of like, like childish, like fan, like, I don't know, some kind of like connection like that. And you told me the story and I needed freaking tissues. I needed (laughs) tissues afterward. So not to build the hype too much, but- Will you share that story? Because I think it is so powerful for people to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you had told me that a, 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 an animated feature would impact me so, so deeply uh, from Disney, featuring a Disney princess, I would have been like, haha, I know I'm a queen, but I <laughs> princess <laughs> stories to, to inspire me. But I would have just kind of laughed it off. But uh I so yes I, I I love Frozen and I love Frozen a lot just because the music was wonderfully written um, mm-hmm. and the voices and the act it's just it's beautiful it's a beautiful movie that just brought me a lot of joy uh, I didn't realize how much it would impact me and it I mean like it kind of, it starts with the first one you know Frozen came out in, I think in 2014 mm-hmm. um, and I rem- so I like I said I'm a queer man, proud gay man, mm-hmm. uh, but I was sent to a a version of therapy um, to try to cure my gayness um, or try to stop unhealthy habits, um, as as it was termed. Uh, and so I I was in the closet as I was sent to that in high school, and I so I remained in the closet uh, all the way through college, uh, really fighting this internal sense of self from. Most of my life, up until I was about, I think twenty three, which is when I think the first Frozen came out, mm-hmm. um, and I I was touring with Missoula Children's Theater. Shout out to Emma Merlo in Texas who <laughs> uh, helped me helped me discover who I was and just really loved me for who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so she and I were touring, and uh, the first Frozen movie came out. And it was right at the time where I was starting to realize, like, I was, I had come out to, like, my dearest, dearest family, like, my aunt Anne, uh, who is my closest person, she, she was the first person I came out to, but I started coming out to, like, 
a very small group of people, you know, that process. Uh, um, but I hadn't come out completely. And I went to go see Frozen because it looked beautiful. And I remember sitting in the theater and Elsa came on to sing Let It Go. And um, that song spoke so much truth into who I needed to be and who I wanted to be and what I needed to hear that I knew there was no going back. That idea of that no matter how hard you try, you know, you can seal it, you cannot feel it, you cannot let it show, but then to let it go mm. and fuck the world <laughs> for I think that's the lyrics, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the exact quote. Um, uh, uh, but you have to live authentically, mm. you know. And uh, so I, so that movie came out and it was just a really big launching point for me to be like, you know what, I'm going to start living my authentic and genuine life because I only have one life to live and I, I, my heart is worthy of love and my identity is worthy of being seen. And who I am is worthy of being known that I had to let go of everything else. So I watched Frozen and within a month of watching Frozen, I had come out to everyone publicly. Um, and that began a really big journey for me. And I was really proud of myself for that. And uh, I came out to my family. It, you know, it, despite everything that happened in my youth with my family, my family has actually come around a lot. I think it's one of those things that when you know someone, it changes things. Um, but I, yeah. I, I came out to my family and then they accept, they started to accept me. It was still a very long process. Anyway, fast forward to uh, grad school when Frozen 2 came out. And I was right in the middle of my second year of grad school. And, I you know, the joke with grad school is that they break you down in order to rebuild you. you know, I, <laughs> it's, it's awful, but I love it. And it's like, you you're going to tell me how to become a better artist. I'm going to question everything about myself and my artistry and the work that I do. Totally reasonable. I will pay for it. <laughs> With student loans. Um, <laughs> uh, so I was in the middle of my second year and I really just started asking these questions of like, I don't know if I'll ever, maybe it was a mistake that they admitted me. Uh, maybe I'm not, I won't be, I won't be the artist I hope to be. Those dreams, I don't know what's next. Like I, I just started encountering those questions and then Frozen 2 came out and um, you know, they did not publicize that one as clearly as the first oh, one. God, no. So no, no one really knew what it was about. And so I go in with my, my fiance to watch it. And you know, the, the, first, the first song that Elsa sings is Into the Unknown. And she's saying that and I just start sobbing because it really spoke into my heart about this thing of like, I don't know what's next, but I know it's out there and I, I, and I have to be willing to leap into that unknown in order to discover it, that there's something more. There's something out there, this idea of, that I interviewed and I know I'm a good director, but I wanna be an excellent director. I don't know how to get there yet. There's an excellent director out there and I'm going to be that excellent director, but I don't know how to get there yet. And 
but it, it's there's this cloud there are these clouds in between me and that 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 version of me and I don't know how to get there. I don't know who's going to give me the right answer. Where's the manual? You know, all these things that we ask ourselves sometimes as 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 lifelong learners in mm-hmm. people who grow and evolve. Um, how do we get from here to there? And it's cloudy and we don't know and who's going to have the map. Um, and it's unknown, totally, into the, totally going into the unknown. So I saw during that song, watch the rest of the movie. And then we had the song, Show Yourself. And unlike Frozen, I did not expect a double whammy truth bomb. <laughs> And so show yourself starts. And again, I just start sobbing because the questions that she asks herself is, you know, she starts out the song with, are you the one I've been looking for all of my life? You know, this idea of finally figuring out who she is. And the first question she asks is, are you the one I've been looking for? And then by the end of the song, the question flips. I am the one I've been looking for all of my life. And whew, um, me too, man. Damn. <laughs> it it clicked because no matter how hard I looked for external validation and external answers and resources to who I am and what I want to be in my artistry that excellent director was always in me. That scared little boy inside me that was so scared to live authentically, to really, to be truthful and live as the intersexual human that he, they, he, they are. That, that core of fear of not showing up for themselves. In the end, it was never outside of me. It was never externally something I was looking for. There wasn't some manual on how to become an excellent director. There wasn't some manual on how to be an excellent artist. There wasn't a manual on how to be a proud gay man. There wasn't a manual on how to move through the world in a way that feels true, except for what's already inside of you. So really, that song was about stop looking for the answers outside of you. You are exactly who you need to be in your journey, in your artistry, in the world. And you you are the catalyst for yourself. Show up for yourself because you're worth it and worthy. And that's your birthright. Worthiness is your birthright. It's a Valerie Curtis Newton quote. Um, but that, uh, so Elsa, you know, sings about show yourself, show yourself. And it's not just show yourself externally, but show up for yourself. Mm. So I sobbed and this poor little four-year-old sitting next to me had no idea she was sitting next to a grown ass human <laughs> with, a, with a beard and it looks like freaking football player. <laughs> would be in tears. I remember she even looked at me and she's like, dude, get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, she didn't say anything, but I was sobbing. Um, (sighs) And that's when that journey kind of really started was to get to the point of not looking, realizing one, I had accomplished the goal I had already set out to accomplish. 
And that the next, the thing I wanted to figure out next was how can I be an excellent artist, which is more than just the work you do. It's your practice. It's your day-to-day living. It's your day-to-day movement through the world and interactions with the community. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's your voice and how you use it to amplify, to illuminate, to, 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 to listen more and ask questions, to explore, to be curious, to experiment. So there's this Martha Graham quote that, uh, that I have posted on my by my desk at school. I need to reprint it and post it here because I'm not going back to my desk anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but this idea of showing up for yourself because there's one of you, you know, she, she said first, she says, uh, there is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium, and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how valuable, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly, to keep the channel open. You do not even have to believe in yourself or your work. You have to keep yourself open and aware to the urges that motivate you. Keep the channel open. No artist is pleased. There is no satisfaction whatever at any time. There is only a clear, divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others. And that quote for me is just a reminder that I have to show up because no one else is going to show up at my place. Mm -hmm. And I have something to say and I have something to contribute to the world. And if I keep looking for the external validation, you know, show yourself asking other people to tell me where I need to go, how I need to move. I'll never get there. It's turning that question inward. I'm the one I've been looking for. I am the one that's going to show up. And I think that's something that we can all take as artists, as humans into the world. It's, it's, it's our, it's our duty to humanity and to our communities to show up, to show the fuck up and do the work Yeah, because if you don't, who will? And so, so I'd love Throaten. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be trite to say it changed my life, but in the way it did. Mm-hmm. And I will stand by the statement. Frozen is a queer narrative. I don't care who tells me any elsewise, but uh, it is a queer narrative, 100%. <laughs> and I love it. Uh, Elsa is boss. She is my hero. Mm-hmm. I, I went as... Uh, I went as Elsa and Jack Frost's kid for Halloween one year. I love that. Um, uh, I'm actually looking at the cape right now because I pulled it out for a frozen camp I'm teaching right now. So I wear it for the kids. Oh my God. (laughs) But um, but I love, I love frozen. Um, Mm -hmm. And as much as it is just a joyful joke in a way, it's also very true. I don't know. I would have come out eventually. I'm not going to say that frozen changed my life to the point where I would not be where I am today without it. However, Frozen spoke a truth into my heart that I needed to hear in a way that my heart was open to hearing it. Ooh, and, that's good. Um, and so the beauty and, you know, all my friends, you could ask literally any of my friends and they will tell you I love Frozen <laughs> to maybe an unhealthy extent. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't think um, it's unhealthy at all. No, no, it's not. But mm-hmm. I, uh, but I do. It it mm-hmm. did change my life to the to the degree that it spoke a truth into my life that I needed to hear, 
in a way that I was ready to hear it. So I'm I, very thankful for it. I, I keep hearing over and over and over again. And to be honest, I keep, I keep experiencing when you ask for guidance, whether it's, whether you say, whether you ask to God, to universe, to spirit, to creation, whatever, insert your, your own compelling word here. It shows up for you. The universe manifests that. It, it does. And it, Both and positively and negatively. When exactly. You start speaking oh, negative negatively. Word, <laughs> it's going to show up in negativity. 100%. When you, start, when you start manifesting and asking for that, you know, I've become, a, I've started a few recent creative projects with friends. And it's funny how when you say something, I don't, there's that special something that phenomenon that happens that when you first say something that you've never said before, it starts to show up uh-huh. in random walks in life. Um, so I'm working on starting a project with a friend of mine about um, about a historical figure who I'd never heard of before a conversation with my friend. And uh, all of a sudden, books started appearing on my recommendation list. It's, I know technology listens to us and it's creepy as hell. <laughs> then he, he, my friend went for a walk outside of his apartment. And as he was walking, he had randomly walked on a different side of the street than he normally walked on. And for the, he's lived in this place for years and he looked down and he saw a plaque and the plaque was in memory to this historical figure. Oh. Like something he had, he had walked by for years, never seen until after he and I had that conversation. And so it's, it's that manifesting, it, we ask, we ask for what we want to see in the universe. And mm-hmm. that goes both ways. If you yeah. telling yourself you're, you're unworthy, you're unlovable, you're not X, Y, Z, the universe will manifest that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I think that it's, it, it's so amazing. Have you, I, there's a book called you are a badass. It's by Jim Sincero. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the millennial, like personal development book, which I freaking love. And I, I adore her. And she talks about how the second you, like you said, speak something into existence, you will not only notice it everywhere, but the universe will literally start noticing, oh, hey, I see you noticing. I see you appreciating. I see you getting excited. Mm -hmm. I'm going to line more up for you. You could have so easily had seen that and been like, ah, it's nothing. But the universe listens. And again, insert word here that is compelling for you, but it listens and it will easily and it's it's amazing because i say easily very specifically it easily shows up for you Mm -hmm. and we so often don't let it be easy we so often try to control and i am girl you're speaking as one of them i'm speaking this as one of them and i was actually saying to my boyfriend earlier like this month or whatever i was saying like i don't want to control a big life decision that him and i are trying to make right now like i don't want to control it I want it to be easy. I want mm-hmm. it to show itself to me. And when it does, I'll be ready. But I don't want to feel like I'm in the, and I'm in the driver's seat in this. This mm-hmm. is one of those like where it's just you need to sit back and trust the dance and trust that the universe is working for you. And again, insert word here, but like that it's working for you and know that it's coming. And so much of us start to look at our watch and say, it's been five days. I haven't seen diddly squat. To be honest, <laughs> you're probably not looking, but that's okay. <laughs> like, right. you, I haven't seen diddly squat. This doesn't work. And yeah. guess what that does? Well, and there's also, there's also something about, you know, everyone's individual experience with that too. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I, 
you you talk about making things harder. Uh, my mentor Val, she uh, she called me out on it this past year as we were prepping for my thesis project. Like, I was I was trying to pick out the project, and she was trying to throw. She was she was like, "And you're going to perform in this theater space?" And I'm like, "But that, but I want I want this. I want it to be this way, and I want to do it in this theater." And she stopped me. I love her to death for this, but she was like why are you making things harder for yourself? Mm. And we do this, you know, especially those of us who have faced either adversity or having to uh, 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 whatever it is, you know, as a, as BIPOC artists, as queer artists, or, or in even humans, not just artists, as, uh, as women or female identifying humans. Yeah. Um, there are there are roadblocks that we're so used to having to overcome that sometimes we manifest them in order to feel like it's more worthy. Yep. You know, it's, it's a fill of and, and like we're supposed to face some sort of adversity. Yep. Just and because it, it's, it's unconsciously sometimes. Sometimes it is consciously, but normally yeah. it's unconsciously. It's a need totally. to feel significance. It's because mm-hmm. that's one of the six human needs. It's a need to feel significant, mm-hmm. and a lot of the times people say problems or they connect to other people through problems because that's how they feel significant. And to be honest, our two million whatever year old brain doesn't exactly help in that way because it manif- mm-hmm. or it uh, links a lot more to pain than it ever does to pleasure. Yes. So we make a lot more connection to pain, but, and we link connection with others to pain. And so that's how we get significance. That's how we get connection. Cool. Like think about it. I, someone said it uh, this past weekend. They were like, when you were a baby, and you cried, did people come over to try to comfort you? One mm. million percent. A lot of us are still in that same brain's headspace. If mm-hmm. I cry, if I link pain, if I, contr- if I share pain. Martyr. I- Martyr, thank you. I, I, get, I get love. Mm-hmm. I get significance. I feel important. And I'm, again, this can be extremely conscious and I'm sure we all have people I know I do in my life who this is it's at the forefront. They know what they're doing and that's okay. And yet there's that little part of us that does this unconsciously. And oh, that's for sure. Us. Like, I mean, we've all done it. Like, I'm going to totally call myself out. I've absolutely I've done it. Oh yeah. Well, like, do you remember when people, do you remember when people come up to you like pre COVID, yeah. um, People come up to what us. Is that? Human interaction? I don't remember. I don't is remember human thing? interaction. <laughs> oh God, it hurts. I have to side note ask you. Have you ever watched or like have you watched a movie recently that has like big crowds or something? And I'm like, oh God, oh God. Oh, God. Wear the masks. Oh God. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have such weird PTSD after this. I can't wait. <laughs> but um, but someone someone will come up to you and they say, Hey, how you doing? You go, fine. Because if you say I'm freaking excellent, they're like holy shit, get away from Mm. me, you crazy person. Like, but we have lowered our emotional standard to meet other people so low now that it's like our energy is just dead. And the other way too, that when we're not doing well, you know, I mean, like you just said, you know, PTSD, like mental health is such a, is so important Mm -hmm. that we, as an acknowledgement of, of wanting to be validated and seen, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, but it's also, we're not comfortable talking about it yet, yep. you know? And so when people ask people who are on the other side of the spectrum, yeah. like, yes, I'm freaking great. 
and we say fine to underplay because that's that's social acceptance mm-hmm. we also can't go the other way i'm in so much pain i can't i i'm i'm in so much pain being around you is very difficult for me yep you know or the person would be like, "Oh, I'm, buck up! You're you're fine. Like, oh, I'll yeah. put on a happy face. Like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, I think the uh, keep going. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So I think it's just that normalization of authenticity. Mm. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's oh. why I and going back to you know, uh, we were talking. You you mentioned a book. I want to supplement with another book. Um, Marie Forleo's uh, Everything <sighs> Is Figureoutable. My favorite, one of my favorite personal development books. And oh my God. Okay. You are now the third or fourth podcast guest who has said everything is figure outable. So listeners, I'm going to speak right to you for a moment. If you have not (laughs) gotten this book, this is your sign from the universe. This is your plaque on the side of the road. Get the book and read it. The audiobook is also phenomenal. It is so. She's great. I love the audiobook. God, I love her. She is so real, so raw. And it, it, she connects something to where we were talking about either at the beginning of this conversation or off air. I can't remember. But that idea of multi-passionate. I love mm-hmm. so many things. Um, and she says yeah. that she's a multi-passionate entrepreneur, which, girl, I freaking feel you. But, like, <laughs> we're, we're all multi-passionate. And so many of us are taught and drilled to let that be our demise when instead yes. it's your superpower. And when we mm-hmm. fully step into it being our superpower, man, mm. oh man, we are unstoppable. Right. And that's, and that book really, you know, uh, it was, it, I, I think it's an excellent supplement to what you were talking to earlier about the book that was saying like the universe manifests, mm. you know, what you ask the universe to manifest. Yes. But then on top of that with Marie Forleo's book, uh, it's also everything is figureoutable. Yep. You know, like the universe will manifest that shit and you also have to do the work. Okay, thank you. That's why I I adore The Secret. I think that there's a lot of truth to it. However, there's a huge chunk. I don't know if you know this. Have you heard of The Secret? I don't, no, but teach me things. I (laughs) happily, it was a documentary released, I believe in 2008, that had, I mean, some of the top dogs in the personal development world talking about the law of attraction and the law of manifestation. However, and I, I so believe that there's so much truth to it, but... There's a huge chunk of it missing, and that is the law of massive action. Yes. When you take massive action, and I like to say massive very specifically, because if you take half-assed action, it does deadly. It does diddly squat. But when you take massive action into your new standard of living, mm. holy cow, it all just, it happens like mm-hmm. that. But yes. when you have both in balance with each other, man but i love i love marie forleo's saying because whenever something's hard like for instance whenever i whisper it to myself oh same (laughs) it's you have to it's like and it's amazing because so much of everything is figureoutable it might as well just be like everything is on youtube go figure it out like it's just you can anything any challenge that you have i i admitted to listeners last episode that i'm i really a new up leveling in my life is learning how to get reading under my belt again. Cause I've gone so audio that mm-hmm. like whenever I read, it's like, it's so slow. I can't comprehend a lot of things where I, as I can in audio form. And I was like, okay, like what's my first step here? I'm going to go to what are some speed reading courses? What are some courses that help in reading comprehension? 
There's 15 million on YouTube. That's obviously one example. There's so many more, but Mm -hmm. I mean, literally everything's on Google. Like everything's figure outable. It's just taking one step after the other. Well, and also it's, it's just the, the act of asking the question, right. Or Mm -hmm. saying everything is figure outable and then following it up with the question of, so how am I going to figure it out? Yep. You know, um, you know, because I'm thankful there are, there are times where there are things that aren't Googleable. you know, there are, there are lessons I have learned from others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are choices I've made where I've had to learn from them yeah. and, and those lessons then inform my next choice. When I'm standing in a rehearsal room, uh, trying to figure out a staging moment, like how do I find the right picture? And I, I feel that feeling. You know, I, I take a moment, I, 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 I whisper to myself, everything is figure outable. And then it's like, so how can we figure this out? And then solution. And I try oh. something. And it's all about, it's all about choosing to experiment and learning from the experiments there and, um, and learning from the lessons, you know, I'm, I'm grad school. It's constantly challenged me to experiment and change and grow. Um, and I've made mistakes, you know, all of us have, oh, and none of us, us are yeah. perfect. And I, you know, I, and there are interactions that I've had with, with, uh, directors, playwrights in Seattle that, in actors that have taught me something new and helped me grow a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that's where that everything is figure outable comes into play. It's not because we're not stagnant. We're not dead in our growth. Mm-mm. Our growth doesn't have to stop. I'm constantly growing and learning more about myself and asking questions. And it's not a Googleable question. I can't Google, you know, how to stage this picture in this play. That's true. That's so true. You know, but I can, I'm like, you know what? I can try something. And I can then gather information and try something more with the information I've gathered. I think um, such a, there's a beautiful quote. I, I believe it's Martin Luther King who said it. That was, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to take the first step. And taking one step, talking to one person, saying everything's figure outable and looking at solution solution oriented rather than what was me oriented, it it makes all the difference. And it's like I I I don't know if there's like one secret to life. I don't really know if I believe in that, but I believe that one of the many secrets to life is look for a solution. Because yep. everything has one, no matter and, where yeah. you are. Yeah. Well, I could easily talk to you for like 15 hours, but I do want to get to our segments. How did you get in your own way this week? I got in my own way this week by letting myself sit in the bottom part of the Corona coaster mm. and with the anxiety and negative self-talk a little too long. Okay. Uh, to the point where, where things I was saying to myself started to become facts. Mm. And that's powerful. You have to address those. You have to. You have to take those thoughts, throw them out the door, crush the tape, do what it mm-hmm. takes. And I want to acknowledge that you know the coronavirus and the pandemic that we're all in, and the world shifting and society sh- moving, and the Black Lives Matter movement. It's very easy for the anxiety to take control. Oh yeah. Um, and I want to acknowledge that anxiety is a thing that everyone struggles with on varying degrees. Yeah. Um. And you can't, we all have different ways of addressing those thoughts. But for me, I know I got in my own way this week by letting my anxiety negotiate the way I moved in a day 
and it got in the way of my own artistry. You know, I had my checklist and I sat and looked at it and didn't do a few things on the checklist mm. on purpose because I was just in a, in a rut. What made you and, get out of that, that, space, uh, that space? I, how did I get out of it? I, I went for a walk. Mm. Nature is a big thing for me getting outside of the home. I, this is my station where I'm sitting right now is where I always work. Um, so making the physical change, mm -hmm. um, I went for a walk and listened to some music. I listened to uh, Sarah Falero's new single that she released. Oh, it's which I so really good. Loved, which actually inspired in my mind a, a piece of choreography I want to put together. That's um, I want I want to then, plug this for listeners. So if you guys don't know, Sarah Falero yes. uh, released "My Body Is Mine." It's a single. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, all the things. And it is, it, it's about her. Trigger warning, just so you guys know, it is about uh, sexual trauma and mm -hmm. um, abuse. And I, but it is so powerful. And man, it's beautiful. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Oh, so empowering. And I'll put the link in the show notes. And Sarah, if you're listening, we're apparently your fan, fan club always. So <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. So I went for a walk and I listened to music, including her song, and, uh, some Dixie Chicks, some Todger Call. Love um, and, um, and some Lady Gaga, I think. And so I just changed up the pace of my day would be the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. is how did I get out? How did I get out of that run? I changed the pace of my day. So I, I made a conscious effort to do something different, which then exploded into a, a creative outlet. Can I, sh can I share with you? It's, it's, it's a little coaching, but um, there's, there's this thing called the triad mm. that um, is the three pillars of your emotional state of being. So if you're in a shitty state, it's because you're using the triad in a shitty way. And if you're in an empowering or a, positive or even a momentous state uh, state mm. it's because you're using it that way but the three things are you change your physiology like going on a walk outside that's perfect even just like getting your heart rate up like getting your blood flowing because when we're anxious all of our energy is cut off from the neck down it is mm -hmm. all in our head and there's a quote that says stay in your head you're dead and it's like, if mm. you just stay all in that head, but if you get your blood flowing, then the energy releases and it goes into your body and things start flowing. So that's the first one. Second one is language and like how you speak to yourself. Um, that's where I like to throw in questions. I think that's so important, but language always mm -hmm. has meaning to us. I how agree. we describe a situation is how we lived it, how we emote it. But then the third one is focus. And that's like, that's my, oh, my bread and butter. And it's like I said earlier, where focus goes, energy flows. And if you change mm -hmm. your focus, I love that you listen to music. That is so uh, such a great way to change your focus. I always listen to like an uh, empowering motivational speaker or something like that. Yeah. Something that breaks that pattern and goes straight into that empowering state. So yeah, because the thing I'm doing, no, 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 because the thing I was, I was avoiding was a part of my thesis project. I have to reread it and really get ready to start the design process. And I was looking at that thing on my checklist and just like avoiding it. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure out why. Uh, so I changed my rhythm. I went for a walk to get my body active. I um, I listened to music, and I realized I was I was starting to let the the fear monsters about my own thesis project uh, take control. Mm. It was it, it is just another show. It is an opportunity for me to show up for myself and for mm -hmm. my communities and to storytell. Mm -hmm. So what's so scary about that? Mm -hmm. 
it's exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. There's some, there's and the some, universe yeah. and the universe yeah. is like, here's your opportunity. Go do the thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we got to show up. That's what I mean. Show yourself. There's something that, that said that if you, if you're experiencing fear and especially like fear with imposter syndrome or anxiety or something like that, it's because you're focused and you're staying in self. And then when yeah. you switch to serve, I love how you said that when you're like, you're experiencing this with your community and like showing up for yourself. Like that is like th- that I think is a, a mode of serving because it's inspiration, oh, that's, but that's how I approach every project I do. It's how can I serve this story? Yes, It's so and, interesting. I, and I didn't realize that that was something really unique to me. Mm, uh, yep. that as a director, <laughs> that as a director, one of my main like artistic statements is how do I serve the story? How do I serve this narrative and serve to amplify this voice? It's not, it's not my, narrative mm. as a director it's our job to be an ally to the playwright and to the story and to the to the performers and creative team in order to serve the story you can always tell when a play a feature um, a, a movie a tv show whatever you can always tell when the director i like to say is just like masturbating on them where it's oh, just 100%. like it's like i like that's such a vulgar way of saying it but it's it's first of all there's nothing wrong with masturbating love your body thank you Uh, but like you you can always tell when it's just a selfish act when it's self-serving and i think that you can tell when it's a a family when it's a connection when it's a a um a system i'm going to say system in the way of like there's so many moving parts and everyone's doing their own part but it works together to build the system up higher so all, all the listeners need to know that you all are very lucky to have Nicole in your life. Uh, I've known her for the span of a week, and I already feel <laughs> the energy and shift in my life simply knowing her. And having, having Nicole as a life coach is probably a gift, period. Oh, my God. You make me cry and then laugh within 30 seconds, and I can't with you sometimes. I swear. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no. Oh, my God. It's living into you, and I love it. My second question for you, Andrew, is... What is a small goal that's worth celebrating this week that you accomplished? Uh, I've been married for one month. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, and I mean, that is worth celebrating. A small goal that I can celebrate for sure would be um, uh, taking this week to align my artistic self with my, with my core in mm. order to move forward with energy and excitement. That is a big goal i love we're celebrating that's beautiful oh my gosh and or I was fold the laundry i mean i guess that's a small that, goal. I have a load of laundry i need to fold three. right over there <laughs> <laughs> I'll also take the fact that you got married in the time of coronavirus my sister's getting married in september and i my heart goes out to all yeah. the engaged couples of the world and the couples who have yeah we did a zoom wedding are you mentioned <laughs> i think that's so awesome like i i love it when people are just like well the world is obviously not letting us do the things that we're wanting to do. Let's be resourceful and let's figure it's it out. Like, I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, you're amazing. I know this is not the last time we'll be talking for sure, but Andrew, where can people find you last but not least? I would love to connect with anyone. You know, I would love to get together with people and do some storytelling, um, exchange some stories, create some magic. Let's get to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can find me at uh, on Instagram at AR Koopman. Uh, you can also find me at the University of Washington uh, School of Drama website. 
But in a few weeks, uh, I will actually be launching my professional website, um, which is very exciting. Stay tuned on Instagram for more information. Um, but uh, you can find that at andrewcoopman.com. Um, so shout out to Sarah Falero for helping me get that all set up. And I'm really excited to launch launch my website. And you can reach out and contact me through my website as well. That's so freaking exciting. Oh my gosh. I'm, I, I, I really, I want to iterate this for, for listeners, please go connect with this human. You are, <laughs> you are just so, you are such a light. And so I, 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 I can't wait for you to win your Tony, man. I just like, I'm so excited. Like I, I remember for listeners who, who weren't there in our first conversation, one of the first things that you and I talked about, I was like, so like, what are some goals for yourself? Like, what do you want to do? And you're like, I'm going to be a Tony. Tony award winner. And it's like, <laughs> I was just like, okay. <laughs> I love this because two, two things. I love this. First of all, I love people who have big, hairy, audacious goals unapologetically. I love it when people have that. And B, I loved your phrasing because you said, I am going to be a Tony award winner. There was no doubt. There was no uncertainty. You were so certain. And I love that. And I just like, you are you are already doing such amazing things in the world. You're going to continue being such a driving force. And I just, I, I thank you so much for the, for the joy and the, the passion you bring into this world. Thank you. And I, I, yeah, I'm going to win a Tony Award. Okay, <laughs> you, know? And, you know, in the world that we live in right now, it's a question. It's, it's not even a question of how, it's a question of when mm-hmm. and how, and how, uh, we can be the creators that manifest that that destiny. We can manifest that that hope and dream into something real. Um, so let, yeah, making magic, doing doing the doing the thing, you know. Um, and thank you uh, for bringing me on this show. This was such a gift. Um, thank you so much, um, Nicole. What a gift. And uh, I, I what I'm what I'm what I love is when the universe brings people into my life that I consider collaborators, creators. Um, movers and shakers, but also friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and even within a week, I really feel like I've connected with you as a friend and as a collaborator. And I'm so excited to see where your journey takes you. I'm so excited to see where my journey takes me. And I, I am eagerly awaiting and excited for the day when our journeys continually cross each other's. I got chills. I just, I, I, I feel from the bottom of my heart, I love you, man. And I just, I so, I so appreciate those words. And I, I have no, I have absolute certainty in my life that you and I are going to cross many times. I like how we're closing out this podcast with like almost a goodbye, but not really a goodbye. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's connect heart to heart. Girl. <laughs> Listeners, I'll be back on. I'll see you soon. It'll be great. Heck yeah, you will. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Wow. I talking to Andrew is like talking to a creative soulmate. I hope you guys got so much information from that interview. Whether you're a director, whether you're a performer, whether you're an artist or an entrepreneur or someone who just has these big, hairy, audacious goals that you are committed to achieving, there was something in that interview for every single one of you. And that's one of the things I love about Andrew of how real and raw he is. And how his 
stories, how his experiences are so universal and how we can all find that wisdom out of them. So I'm just, I'm so grateful for him coming on. Thank you so much, Andrew. Before I get into too much of gush mode, let's dive into our key takeaways from this episode. Number one, two plus X equals solution. What solution are you committed to creating? Number two, you can look up to your mentors. They're there for a reason, but make sure to always follow your inner compass. Number three, invest in the pause. We are being given a gift of this epic pause right now, and we can look at it as complete haywire, or we can look at it as, what can I learn from this beautiful pausing moment? Number four, change the narrative from what is life going to look like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get back to normal, to how can I be a part of creating what's next? Remember, this is not the period, this is the ellipses. Number five, small questions can create a huge ripple effect. Remember how we talked about how questions and asking new, empowering different questions is just a form of pattern interruption. And he said, I live in the question in order to live into the answer. Oh, so good. Number six, no matter how hard you are looking for external validation, I'm sorry to break it to you, but it lives within you. Stop looking for the answer outside of you and show up for yourself because your worthiness is your birthright. Number seven, you have to show up because no one else is going to show up in your place. Oh, I love that so much. Number eight, when you ask for something, whether it be positive or negative, the universe, God, creation, it will show up for you and give you what you seek if you are open to receiving it. Number nine, everything is figure outable. Read the book, invest in the book, digest the book, live the book. It is so fantastic. And remember that you get to choose to experiment and learn from the lessons every single day. And just so you guys know, it is Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo. Fantastic book. And last but not least, number 10, have such an intense amount of certainty in your dream that it's not a matter of how, it's a matter of when. Oh, I just get chills. He is so amazing. And you guys, thank you so, so much for being here for today's episode. This was someone who, like I said on the podcast, we met and I instantly was like, I need to have him on and have listeners hear from him as soon as possible. So I'm so glad. Let me know what you guys think. And don't forget, please, to rate and review the podcast. It so helps and you guys will get a future shout out. And I'm going to give you guys a little teaser for next review. Someone sent in a video review of the episode. So that is now an option. I was like, oh my gosh, the creativity of this is phenomenal. So if you are wanting to do a video review of the episode, it will be played on the podcast. Such a cool idea. And you guys will hear that on next episode. But thank you so much for being here today. I will talk to you guys so soon. Have a beautiful week and stay safe, stay sane. And I love you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Now, please take a moment to either rate the podcast five stars, write a little love note in the comments, or share it on social and tag me at Life Coach Baker. I mean, heck, you're an achiever. Why not do all three? It helps so much to get the word out there. Now go, take the leap, and achieve your dreams.
I'll talk to you next time. Bye.